If you've got your Bibles, look with me in 2 Samuel chapter number 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6. So I was praying about what to preach on. There was a lot of things that I wanted to preach on, but I uh, believe the Lord directed us in this path. And uh, you pray for us. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll begin reading in verse number 1. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the great privilege and honor to stand behind this sacred desk one more time. Lord, I realize my frailty, I realize, Lord, my inabilities, I realize that I stand in a place where I have to have you. Father, I pray that you'd help me now, that you'd touch me and use me. Give me clarity of thought, clarity of speech. Lord, give me unction from on high. God, I pray that you'd help us, help your people. Take this message and use it for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Second Samuel chapter number 6, the Bible says, Again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was at Gibeah. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drave the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and on psalteries, and on timbrels and on cornets and on cymbals. When they came to Nashon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, and for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah unto this day. As I read this, I am reminded of so many things, but the Lord give me this thought on dealing with this, on the dangers of growing up in a Christian home. You see, us in Ohio had grown up around the ark of God, Brother Jake. It was at their house. It was at their daddy's house. And they knew what it was to be around the presence and the power and the things of God. And I believe we're in a day and age where so many of our young people growing up in church, going up around the things of God, they're familiar with it, they know about it, they know what's going on, but there's a danger that happens there. Now don't get me wrong, don't misunderstand me. The best place you could have your children is at the house of God. The best life you can give your children is a Christian family and a Christian home. Do not misunderstand me. But there is a danger if we're not careful in children growing up in a Christian home. And I believe the example is here in this text. We see in verse number 3 on down through uh, verse number 6, the Bible tells us, it says, And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab uh, that was 
uh, in Gibeah. And Uz and Ohio, the sons of Abinadab, drave the new cart. Now, I, I, I believe with all my heart that Uz and Ohio both had a fondness for the things of God. I don't doubt for one second that our children here in this church, in a church where sound doctrine is preached, in a, in a, where a school where sound doctrine and a good education is given, in homes where doctrine is continued to be promoted, where good, wholesome families, godly families live, I have no doubt that your children and mine have a fondness for the things of God. They, they look at it, and they love it, and they're excited about it. And I, I remember, we didn't, I didn't get in church until I was eight years old, and I remember being around the things of God, and boy, what, what an excitement. Now, understand, I came from a lifestyle, and some of you may have come from a, a similar lifestyle, and I don't want to give credit to this lifestyle, but I come from a, a lifestyle and a family where drugs and pot and, and, and alcohol and, and immorality was prevalent in my home. So when we came to church and we heard the preaching of the, of the cross, oh, what a glorious message that we had heard. But I'm afraid because our children have grown up around it, it's so easy that it becomes a dull sight to them. They become fond of it and they like it. They like the preaching. They like the singing. They like the activities. But that's not enough. Just because they like it's not enough. There's a lot of things I like. But it's not enough to just like it. You've got to pursue it. You've got to go after it. And having our children fond of the things of God is not enough. You have to teach them. Mama and Daddy, it's your responsibility. Grandparents, it's your responsibility to teach them to pursue the things of God. Not just be, be fond of it and say, oh, I like those things. Go after them. Seek after them. Seek after righteousness. Amen. There's a danger. We wonder why so many are leaving. This old time way, if I can put it that way. We wonder why so many are abandoning the things of God. And it seemed like when they grew up, oh, it seemed like they loved it at a time. Why are they leaving it now? Because they were never taught truly to pursue the things of God. We've taught them to pursue, hey, nothing wrong with having a career, but we've taught them to pursue a career. We've taught them to pursue a spouse. And we've left out the most important thing they could ever pursue, and that's God and the face of God and holiness. We have failed in teaching them that. You say, well, I bring them to church and they hear preaching. That's not enough. If they only get preaching Sunday school and Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night, and that's all they get, and at home they get something different, or they don't get fed that same thing at home, it's not enough. They need it. You're, more, you're spending more time with them than anybody else. They need mama and daddy to teach them to pursue God, to seek Him. Being fond of things, I just don't cut it. Not only do I believe that us in Ohio were fond of the things of God. I, you see that. They, they drave the ark, the Bible tells us. They were the ones that were, were taking care of things. But the Bible goes on to say in verse number 7, excuse me, verse 6, And when they came to Nashon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. I don't know Uzzah and Ohio's reasoning, but I know this. You would, the ark of God had dwelled at Abinadab's house for years. Years. This is not a new thing. They had been around it. They were familiar with it. They, they, they knew what it was. They knew what it was about. 
Yet when it come time to move it, they didn't handle it the way God had said handle it. They put it on a new cart. Where did they learn that? From the Philistines. From the world. Mama and Daddy, your children can be fond of the things of God, but if they learn how to handle the things of God from the world, there's a problem there as well. Teaching them not just to pursue God, but how to pursue God. It makes a difference. God has a way. God has a plan. God has a path in how we are to serve Him, how we are to live for Him, and you're responsible. I'm responsible to teach our children how that is to be done. And they put the ark of God on a new car. No doubt in my mind, preacher, it's probably the most beautiful car in town. It's the ark of God. They're, they're, I believe probably us in Ohio had their hand in the new cart building. They decided we want to lead this thing. We want to be out front. We want to handle I've watched family. I've watched some dear friends say, well, I want to, I want to, I want to drive forward, forward the cause of Christ, but they do it in a wrong way. Being familiar with things is a danger. I'm somewhat familiar with electricity. I did a little bit of electrical work years ago and worked on elevators for a while and wired them. And so if you go to Georgia, just remember, I may have wired that elevator you're on. That'll help you. <laughs> yeah. But I've, I'm a little bit familiar with it. We moved to Scotland and we'd got a, we got a dish, I got Ginger a dishwasher. And, uh, the, the closure had failed on it and warranty. They said, we'll get to you in about six weeks. That's just the way Scotland is. They don't, they're not in a hurry for anything. And I said, six weeks' time, I can fix it myself. I ordered the part, came in the next day. And Ginger said, you going you to unplug it? I said, no, I'm just changing out the, the switch. So I took the inside cover off and laid my hand unbeknowingly on that metal and 220 volts reminded me I should have cut the power off. My wife was smart after all. Being familiar with something will get you hurt. Being, being too comfortable and too familiar. And I, I believe that's where we've gotten in our churches across this country is we've gotten so familiar with the things of God. We know the songs. We know what's going to be sung. We just kind of roll through and go through the motions. Our kids see it. They listen. They watch. We come into Sunday school and we do our part. And we sit there and we listen. And then we come into church and we put a smile on. Don't matter that we've been fussing in the car for the past 15 minutes. We put a smile on our face and everything's just fine and everything's wonderful. But our kids are watching. Our kids are seeing us. And, and I, I want to just, let me go on record. I traveled 25,000 miles from September to just a few days ago. You take a guess whether there's any fussing in our car or not. Just go ahead and figure it out. You won't be wrong, I promise you. But our kids see it. They see the fussing. They see the bickering. They see the disagreement. And then we go into church. How you doing, brother? Ain't God good? Boy, I'm telling you, we've been rejoicing in the things of God all day. And your kids are sitting there, no, you ain't. Y'all been fighting like, it's been WWE in the car. Mama's got the championship belt. I'm telling you, it's been on. Top rope, super fly Jimmy Snooker. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. It's been on. But we come in like everything's all right. 
our kids are learning. They're learning. What they're learning is Christianity is not real. What they're learning is all this that we say we love, it don't transfer home. It don't go home with us. I ain't promoting that you don't ever have fights. All right? Fights can be a good thing when you get them right. Amen. There's a good side to it. But what I am saying is don't put on that facade. Get things right in the car before you come in. Let your kids see you get right in the car before you come in. This familiarity is hurting us. It's doing damage because our kids are watching. Our kids have seen. Preacher, I, I can't tell you the number of times when my kids have sat in the car when I've got a phone call and got that call that this preacher or that preacher is no longer in the ministry. I get the call where this preacher or that preacher, this church and that church, they've gone a different way. They don't use the King James anymore. And they don't believe like we believe. They've, they've changed their doctrine. Our kids are watching that and saying, what's happening? I can't help what others do. But I can help what's in my home. You can't help what everybody else does, but you ought to determine today that you can help what goes on in your house and what your kids see and what they experience. I don't want the ark and the things of God to just be a, a byproduct and a bypass thing of, of, well, church just happens. I want my kids to see it as something real. I don't want my kids to see me raise my hand and say amen in, in church, but when God ministers my soul in the car at home, that I don't do the same thing. You can worship God at home just as well as you can worship God at church, amen. And I ain't saying you don't need church because you do. Amen. You need church. You need church. You need church. Amen. You need church. But you can worship God at home. When you're at home after you've had church, after you've met with God's people and the preaching has helped you and ministered, you can go home and take that home with you and let that minister you and let it then minister to your family. Your kids ain't going to catch everything that's being preached. But if you'll take it home with you and invest in them and instill in them what was preached and put it on their level where they can understand it, you'll help your family. Being fond of the things of God is trouble. Being familiar with the things of God can be trouble. If we don't handle it right. If we don't deal with it in a correct manner. If we don't teach our kids. If we don't teach our wives. If we don't show our families what it is uh, to live a Christian life beyond just service time. Verse number 7. The Bible says, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. And God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. Notice the fatality in raising kids in a Christian home and not teaching them how to be a Christian. As I've already said, so many are falling. So many are messing up. So many are walking away. God, help us. God, help us that it not be one of ours. And I ain't just talking about the hard youngins. I'm talking about your youngins. God help us that it not be one of yours next. God help us that yours don't look at you and say, I don't want this life anymore. God help us that it not be one of yours that call and say, and, and, and just look, if this has happened to you, you understand I'm not preaching it. But God help us that it ain't one of yours that say, Mom and Daddy, I've chosen a life of sodomy. 
Say, that never happened. I got a phone call last Sunday from a preacher that it's happened to, his youngest boy. Come in on Friday night and said, Mom and Daddy, I've chosen this lifestyle. He said, I know it's wrong. I know it's sin. But I've chosen this. He said, oh, God help. That's horrible. It happens. And it's real easy to drop the ball. It's real easy to get slack. Because we let entertainment come in. We let uh, all sorts of activities come in. And we say, well, I, I don't have time. I'll deal with it later. No, you better make time. Cut, cut the TV. Cut the internet. Cut what you've got to cut. And make time. Your children, the most important thing you can do for them is invest in their spirituality. Make sure they understand what it is and what this, this Christian life is. Help them to understand that you've got to. You've got to. They need you. They, there's a lot of things you, you say, well, my kids need. They don't need anything more than that. There's a fatality, if we're not careful, that that fondness and that familiarness, I'll put it that way so I can say it, turns into a fatality if we don't do what's right. All that's sad, but I tell you what breaks my heart. Verse number 8. And David was displeased. Why was David displeased? Was David displeased because of us and Ohio's actions? Was he displeased because Abinadab allowed them to do what they did? No. It says he's displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. He's displeased because the Lord had brought judgment on Uzzah. I know that ain't Abinadab. But still a hero, no doubt, to us in Ohio. No doubt Ohio knew David was displeased that the Lord had brought a breach upon his brother. Worst thing you can do for your children when they choose to do wrong is to sympathize with them. Say, oh, baby. Oh, that mean old preacher. You ought to thank God for the man of God. Amen. You ought to thank God that God sent the man of God your way to preach to you, to preach to your family, and to deal with anybody in this church who does wrong. That ain't hard. That, 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 I started saying ain't hard. that is a hard job. It's not an easy job. It ain't easy to stand up and have to deal and confront sin. I think about... I think about when, when, when uh, uh, the man of God came in to anoint David. Just before he did, he went and seen Saul. He had told him to utterly destroy, Samuel had told Saul to utterly destroy the Amalekites. Well, he spares Agag. Samuel comes in and says, what's the bleeding of the sheep and this lowing of oxen that I hear? And By the way, who's this man? He says, this is king of the Amalekites. He said, I've spared him. The Bible says that Samuel hewed him into pieces before all the people. That don't mean he gave him a paper cut. You understand? He cut this man up like he was making burn ends. He sliced and diced this fellow. 
chopped him to pieces before all. Preacher, as far as I know, as far as I can tell, up to this point, Samuel's been a very gentle preacher, a very gentle man. But he does that. Then he comes into town to anoint David. The Bible says that the men met him there with fear and trembling. How did they know what happened? News spread. Let me tell you how bad this man of God's been. Let me tell you how brutal he's been. Oh, you better not cross Samuel. Samuel will cut you up. Boy, ain't that what happens today? The man of God has to deal with something and news spreads like a wildfire. I, t- I know this. We got one of the most tender-hearted, compassionate preachers I have ever met. And I ain't saying that to fluff him. I'd say it in, I have said it in his absence. But I also know he's God's man. And when he has to deal with something, you best keep your hands off of it and say, let God's will be done. Whether that's my children or your children, don't sympathize. Don't be one of these to say, oh, let me coddle you. Let me, let me wipe your tears. Let me bandage your wounds. Step aside and let God deal with it. You'll teach your children something by not coddling other people's sin. You'll teach your children something. You'll do your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren a favor by standing for right and standing for the man of God and with the man of God no matter what happens. There's a danger. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've rode home with deacons. When I was a kid, I rode home and I heard them run the preacher down. I rode home with church members and heard them run the preacher and the preacher's wife down. I've heard them talk about it. I've, I've seen it firsthand. I've rode home and I've heard my siblings in the car at one point talking about what went on at church. But I sure am grateful that I never heard my parents. To their credit, I never heard my parents badmouth. Matter of fact, I heard my dad say, we're not going to talk about that. If you've got a problem with him, you go see him. That's the best thing you could ever do. Teach your children. I told Jay the other day, we're trying to teach Jay, he's seven. You understand mamas raise babies and men raise men. Or men raise boys into men. Say it right. So I'm trying to teach Jay to be a man. I told him the other day, I said, there's a lot of grown folks you'll see in life. A lot of grown boys. I said, but it takes a difference being a man. And I'm trying to teach him how to be a man and what it takes to be a man. And it ain't, hey, it ain't muscles and fighting and, and how big and bad you can be. But there's a right way to be a man. I'm trying to teach him biblically how to be that. This world's against him. And it's against your kids. It's against mine. But one of those things is handle problems correctly. That's something your kids all learn in the house of God. Amen? And they do. But they got to learn it at home. Our girls need to know how to be a lady at home. When the preacher preaches on holiness, don't go away saying, well, I don't know if I agree with that or not. Go home and say, I don't know all there is to know about that, but if the preacher said it and I know he preached it in that book, we're going to get behind him until I know better. And you follow the man of God as he follows God. And when you do that, you teach your children that that book can be trusted and that man can be trusted. And you help your children. There's a danger. 
As I said earlier, when I got in church, man, the cross and the preaching of the cross is a glorious thing. Man, it shines so brightly in my heart and life. But I've watched others and they hear it and it's like, well, yeah. Heard that before. I had a guy tell me when I pastored in Florida, he said, you're not going to preach anything that I hadn't heard before. I said, you're right. I'm not. But undoubtedly, because you're still hearing it, you still need it. Don't let it become dull to you. Because if it becomes dull to you, it'll become dull to your children a whole lot quicker. They'll get bored with it sooner than you will. Let it be bright. Let it be, be vibrant. Let it be encouraging and eventful in your life. Let it help you. And if your kids see it help you, it'll help them. We're heading back to Scotland and there's a lot of things I'm going to miss about here. One of the things I'm going to miss the most, and we're trying to figure out how to implement it, is an altar. An altar at church. I can remember a time, some of you remember a time when the altars were full. It didn't matter what the message was. I ain't jockeying for you to come down tonight. There was a time, it didn't matter what was preached, altars flooded. Because God's people took to heart everything that was said, everything that was preached to them, and they took and made an application in their life. Said, I need to fix this. Though it may not have had anything to do with the message, but I need to fix this. And now we wonder why our kids don't go to the altar. We've not shown them. We've not taught them. You want your kids to go on visitation? Go to visitation. You want your kids to pass out tracts? Let them see you pass out tracts. You want your kids to witness? You be a witness. Just saying, well, we go to church. We're Christian. We're a Christian family. Oh, yeah? Scotland says they're a Christian nation. Can I remind you, America says she's a Christian nation. I can park a Volkswagen in a garage and call it a Bentley all day. But it don't mean it's so. You may be saved. And I hope you are. But are you really a Christian? There's a difference. And your kids are seeing it. They're hearing you say, well, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. And they're seeing how you live. So when they live a Christian life, it's, going to be, it's not going to be modeled, hopefully so, it would be, but it's not going to be modeled after preacher Miss Stacy. More than likely, it's going to be modeled after mom and daddy and grandmama and granddaddy and aunts and uncles. It's going to be modeled after you. You find reasons to miss church. You look for opportunities just to not be there. I learned, Brother Doug, I learned faithfulness from an old deacon I, we had as a boy. His name was Dude Hosmer. Dude Hosmer would come in every service, Dylan, 
Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, midweek, revival services, it didn't matter. Dude Hosmer would come in and he'd sit up here on this, this, this front left, your left, right up here. And his back hurt him all the time. He would walk in holding the pews and stumbling in and he wouldn't let you help him. He said, when I get to where I can't walk, I'll get a wheelchair, but for now I want to walk into the house of God. And he would limp his way in and get up to the front pew and he would sit there and he'd moan through the singing. He'd cry, I'd watch him, tears flowing down his face in pain. By the time preaching started, he had to move down Brother Fountain and sitting in the floor just so he'd have the lumbar of that seat. We didn't have padded pews. We had the old slap board. Some of y'all remember what I'm talking about, the old slap board, and, and the older ladies would bring cushions, but the old slap board where if you move wrong, you got a splinter or you got pinched one. And he'd slide down and he'd cry and then crying, and our pastor would look over and say, You okay, Brother Hosmer? He'd say, I'm good, preacher, you're helping me. He said, My body hurts, but you're feeding my soul. And as a, as a boy, I purposed and decided if that man can be faithful to the house of God, I can be faithful to the house of God. If he don't have a reason, I don't have a reason. And I understand when things come up and sometimes things happen beyond your physical ability. I'm not talking about that. But what I am talking about is how easy is it for you to find an excuse to not be at the house of God. Your kids are watching. And I promise you this, they'll find easier excuses until the second and third generation ain't even in church. You ain't just investing in now and now. You've got generations beyond that you may never know that you're investing in today. And how you handle the things of God today make a difference. That's why holiness is important. It's so it don't matter. It don't matter how I dress. Fine. You go ahead and believe that. But when your grandkids was walking around naked, it was your fault. Because it don't matter. It either matters or it don't matter at all. That it's it's really that simple. You say, Well, I, I just I don't believe in them standards. Well, what standards do you believe in? At what point is it wrong? Oh, I, I know, I know. It's none of it's wrong. Because we do what we want to do. It's all okay. Because God looks at the heart. Forgot part of that verse. You got man looking and he don't see your heart. Amen? And what you wear is a representation to people who don't know God about who God is. And you're teaching your children. My greatest fear, my greatest fear, preacher, is that my kids walk away from this. My second greatest fear, and I mean this, is that your kids walk away from this. You don't owe me a thing. Man, do it for your kids. Get serious about this thing for your kids and your grandkids. 
We say we love them and we shower them with gifts and I'm all for that. We buy them the, 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 the gaming consoles and we buy them all the things and look, I'm all for that. Have a time. I enjoy it too. Is it Proverbs that says, In all thy getting, get understanding? I ain't changing the Word of God, but can I say it this way? In all your giving to your kids, give them understanding. Help them to understand what it is that this Bible's about. Help them to understand the importance of doctrine. Help them to understand the importance of what we do and who we live for and who we do it for. Help them to understand that. Amen. I love you, church. I hope you know that. And it's my prayer that God will help you. As far as I know, everybody in here is already doing all this. And this is just, if anything, it's just an encouragement to keep doing it. That may not be the case. Let God help you. Let God help your family. Raise your children to be something for God. My niece told me a few months ago, she said, I desire more than anything to do something great for God. I said, you already are. You're faithful. Last I checked, that's what God requires. Faithful. Faithful. If you'll be faithful, God will do great things with your life. Amen. He'll do great things with your children if you teach them to be faithful.